Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop-In CEO brand, and I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the podcast where week after week, I talk to really, really interesting leaders who share their insights with you, and I do hope they inspire you. And if you love this episode, all I ask is that you rate, review, subscribe, tell others, tell others about this amazing resource so we can continue to bring you great programming. And just know, I am here to help the C-suite leader of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And today, it is my honor, my honor to introduce to you Todd Wilkowski. Todd focuses his practice on serving private, closely held, and or family-owned businesses as their outside general counsel and trusted advisor on all legal and risk issues is special in this way in that he takes a proactive approach on identifying and providing innovative solutions impacting his clients' continued development and success. And he also advises his clients on potential strategies for seizing current market opportunities while concurrently and effectively leveraging the risks commensurate with these opportunities. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Deb. So I am grateful, grateful for the network. I believe I was introduced by Jared. Jared uh, said, you've got to meet this guy, Todd. And when we met, I found what he does very, very interesting. Again, the legal field is a little bit new to me, bringing on such talent to discuss it with you. But he has a unique angle on it from a perspective of outside general counsel, providing people what they need when they need it. And it's a slightly different business model that I want C-suite leaders out there listening to listen to because it may be exactly what you need to help your business grow. So I'm going to pass the torch over to you, Todd, maybe share a little bit about yourself personally, your backstory, and how you arrived at doing the work you're doing now. Well, thank you. I'll start out with saying I'm uh, happily married 27 years to my wife, Heather. I met her in law school. We have four children. We'll have three in college next year. So I'll be working the rest of my life without question. I am a uh, United States Air Force Academy graduate, served five years uh, largely in the Pentagon before deciding to go to law school, Regent University down in Virginia Beach. My wife is from Ohio. And so that's how we ultimately ended up here in Cincinnati. I started my career at a firm called Keating, Muthan and Klee Camp in, in Cincinnati, which was an, a, a really great, very uh, integrated firm in terms of working largely with family-owned and privately held businesses. One of the first areas where I really learned, I think, this outside general counsel approach to serving clients. After making partner there, I I kind of felt that I needed to to try something different, a new challenge. And so I became the general counsel of a very large construction company called Baker Concrete, where I served for seven years and oversaw a number of functions by the time I left from uh, compliance to HR to contracts to risk and really, really thoroughly enjoyed that experience. Loved being really close to the business, 
working with business leaders on strategy and culture and moving the business forward. And then after seven years, felt like I was called for my next mission, really did not want to go back to a law firm. And it wasn't because law firm 1.0 wasn't a positive experience, but I just loved being that close to the client. I loved being on the front end of the spear as problems were developing, as opportunities were bringing themselves to bear, and just really being able to be a proactive problem solver. And so I, I came to the firm that I'm currently with, Frost, Brown, Todd, another firm, and I said, what I'm seeing out there in the market is I'm seeing this rise of this fractional C-suite executive that's coming alongside these companies that are in growth mode, and that it's it, it's providing them with this talent and experience and best practices of companies that have been where they want to go on the growth cycle, but can do it on a fractional basis. So it's culturally acceptable and financially it's it's conceivable for them. What I see though is for the legal function, it's typically if there is a fractional outsource, it's one person. And and while that can provide some benefit as that person gets to know the business and is available uh, and very responsive, quickly as a company grows, they're going to outgrow that model. And they really need either all that's going to start getting outsourced and almost unmanageable when you have several different firms, or they're going to have to start learning on that client's dime. And that's expensive. And uh, the reality is it's inefficient. So I, I kind of approach them with the idea of, I'd love to play that role. That's the role that I've been playing, play it on a fractional basis, but just connect myself with an army of specialists uh, where we can be responsive, relevant, and, and provide advice that moves them forward from people that are regularly working with these issues. And so that's how I've ended up here. I've been here nine years. It's been a great run so far. Oh, so such a great story. And it parallels mine as well as I would say I'm a fractional leader, but I also branded myself the drop-in CEO. So I don't blend in with all of those talented fractional leaders serving small and medium-sized businesses. But just a quick question, while you and your colleagues serve in a fractional capacity, and we hope our clients' businesses grow and thrive, how do you bridge the gap to maybe when they need more full-time legal counsel? Is that also associated with your company or do you have colleagues in your network that you connect them with? That's a great question. And I think if you talk to any fractional chief, put the X there, officer. In fact, I was with one this morning who's a fractional CMO and she's off to say, you know, we are going to put the processes and procedures in place and we will be there as long as you need us. But in many ways, we're working ourselves out of a job. Right, Because the, the idea is we've got somebody that's in the company or we can identify and help develop someone that's in the company that will be able to take on that role. And then as necessary, we can move into a, a mentoring role. I think the cool thing about what we do is our runway is just longer. You know, and I think we talked about this in our, in our earlier conversation. The last person you add to your C-suite is going to be your general counsel. Right? By then, you will have your, your, your COO, your CFO, CMO, fill in the blank. But it's a very expensive hire. And the thing about hiring a general counsel is I think the numbers are around 50% fail. And the reason they fail is because they don't recognize that they're moving from being a profit center in a firm to being a cost center. And they also, sometimes I think we have lost our way as a profession in that we are about getting to know and telling you all the reasons you shouldn't do what you know you need to do. While risk is something to be respected and identified, risk is to be leveraged, not just to be eliminated and reduced. And so, like I said, some people, they're just wired and I'm wired that way. Some people are not. 
And so that's a very expensive hire and misfire. And so we typically think around 350, 400 million, especially for a privately held company, is about the time that you need to be thinking about bringing somebody in um, under that roof. But again, that provides us a tremendous amount of runway to be able to help and also to be able to set someone up for success once they hire them, because we have a lot of the processes and procedures we can put into place. So they hit the ground running for more of a seamless transition, as well as we can help. At that point, we have the political capital. We know all the players to be able to help them get to know the business quickly and, and start being a, a value add as quickly as possible to the organization. You know, I mean, what I really love about that, and you talk about kind of that client intimacy, get to know, be a partner with them versus simply just a service when you want to get out of jail free or you're in a, in a pickle, or maybe you're trying to set up some kind of corporation or legal entity. I think the small and medium-sized businesses are looking for that trust, that are looking for that relationship. Take us for a test ride on a fractional basis. And then I just find just from my experience that once we've done maybe a small project, they trust you, says, let's try the next project. And the next thing you know, it becomes that long-term relationship as they grow. And I too will say, I worked for a packaging company. I set them up with all of their processes and procedures, and we got the certification or the compliance that we needed. And ultimately, I put myself out of a job because they ultimately needed a full-time quality leader. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm having lunch with her on Friday. <laughs> and I'm happy to have done that and left the company in a very, very good place. So that's somewhat the um, bittersweet but also rewarding part of the work that we do. Right. Well, it just I think all of us as leaders are called to have impact and influence. It just allows us to have that on so many different organizations and just take a lot of pride in the fact that we've been a part of their growth and and part of growing organically structure, I think in a way that, you know, growth kills if it's too quick. And if you add too much to your C-suite right away versus kind of adding those pieces as it makes sense. And I think a lot of it, as you've probably seen, it's it's getting out there and educating the market that this offering is there because uh, it is a growing movement. Uh, There's plenty of room for it, especially with small to medium sized businesses. But a lot of them think there's just, especially in the legal, there's one of two things, either it's that kind of hired gun person we don't really have a whole lot of relationship with. We don't always see the value in calling them because the reality is when we call them, if we're having a dispute, we're calling them when we've done everything we possibly can, but lo and behold, we got sued. So we got to call the lawyer or we've actually worked out the terms of a deal and we're calling the, the lawyer to, to paper it you know, versus getting them involved up front, some of the strategic thinking about how do we structure this? What are you seeing out in the marketplace, you know, particularly in a sale or an acquisition? We, we want to change that. We want to be on the front end of that as much as possible because we believe we can provide a lot of value there proactively. But the only way you do that, as you know, Deb, is you've got to have a relationship where they trust you, where they know that just every time you utter their name, they're getting the bill for it. But you know, you are going to charge them eventually when you're providing them with advice and work product they need. But in order to know that and to customize it, you have to have a relationship and you have to desire that. Like some people, man, they are so transactionally minded. This is not something that they're interested in. But someone like me and I, and I know yourself from, from our conversation, we're so relationally driven that this has to be a big part of what we do or it would not be very satisfying. 
So what else about this business model makes this approach different? You've talked about relationships. Is there anything else that we should be talking about about this different approach? Because quite frankly, it sounds like we should have more of you. (laughs) It sounds like this is exactly what a major part of our economy needs. There's so many small and medium-sized businesses. What else makes this approach different for us? So, and by the way, being an abundance mentality person, I wish we had a ton more people doing this. Yeah. Right now, we really don't. Um, but, but I think there's plenty of room for it. So I'm always happy to talk about it because I'd, <laughs> I'd love for more people to be doing it. But I, I think that what we kind of boiled it down to, because, you know, a couple of things that we have to overcome, because I'm at a very large firm, is first of all, our prospective clients thinking we are too big for them and too expensive. If we do it the traditional legal model way, which is I bring in the work, I do as much of that work as possible, even if it's not an area that I have a specialty in. And then I just offload it to people when I, I'm just too overwhelmed. That's not efficient, right? Versus the idea of being a concierge, being a consigliore, someone who's really thinking big about the business, identifying not, not just problems, right? That's defense. And uh, if you play defense all the time, the best thing you can do is tie. And most companies I know are looking to win. But, you know, looking at it from an opportunistic way and thinking through those issues and helping them. So we like to say, the way we can be relevant to these smaller to medium-sized firms is we give you access to a bench of experts. If you have an immigration issue, I'm going to get you to an immigration expert who regularly works with immigration issues, best practices, is updated on the law, will not learn on your dime because they work with these issues all the time. And they can get you the advice you need and the time and the responsiveness you need it because business moves quickly. So our five-point value proposition that differentiates us from the way that law is practiced right now is, number one, an OGC, an outside general counsel, is strategic and focused. We're thinking about the whole picture. We're not just thinking about solving that immediate problem. I like to use the analogy of legal whack-a-mole. So if I solve an issue here and I'm not looking at the whole enterprise, I could create three more on this side. So what have I really done? I've not effectively helped the company. We love to look at the whole company and where it's going because that helps us to prioritize our advice and what we would recommend as initiatives as they move forward. So strategic. Number two is proactive. We know that the business owner is busy with the day-to-day operations that they have every single day. And they're not always looking as they should be and hopefully working outside of the business and on the business as much as they are in the business. So they have somebody who is looking out for them and going, hey, this is across the horizon. Here's some of the things that we should be thinking about. Or frankly, here's some connections that I want to make because you're thinking about expanding your product line or moving into a new geographical location. I know some people that have operated there. How about if I connect you with them? So you can kind of learn about the pain or the lessons learned, right? There's great value in that. So that's that's a proactive nature, not just waiting for the phone, go by the phone to ring, you know, which is not satisfying to me anyways. The third thing, and this is the game changer, honestly, is we are get to yes problem solvers. Because so many attorneys, right? What's our reputation besides, you know, they don't see the value in our bills is we tell them, no, no, Deb, you can't do that. And we don't give them any other potential solution. And our outside general counsel are trained that the only time they say no, which is rare, they're going to say but after that because they're always going to have another solution because they hear where the client wants to go. And we're here to facilitate business, not impede business. So get to yes, 
where is it that you want to go? I mean, I got to tell you how many people that I talk to when they're new clients or even prospective clients and they go, well, my lawyers never ask me that question. They always kind of just tell me where to go or they give me eight different solutions and they don't get behind any of them. I said, well, that's not fair to you because you work in the business. So we want to help you propose solutions that are not off the shelf or non-customized, but are going to help you achieve your business goals. Because if we're not doing that, of what value are we, right? At least that's our impression. So get to yes. The next is risk leveraging. And I had mentioned that earlier. And I love terms that kind of create discussion because people are always going to go, oh, well, what's risk leveraging? Well, let me tell you what it's not. It's not risk elimination and reduction. That's the way just about every lawyer thinks. The problem is that's not the way most of their clients think. Because if you're going to grow your business, you're going to take on risk, right? You're going to hire people. You're going to expand your product line. You're going to think about moving into new locations. All of those are commensurate with risk. Because then they're commensurate with growth. Because if you don't grow, what happens? You'll lose all your good people because there's no place for them to go. And so uh, we like working with growing companies and helping them leverage and recognize risk so they don't go in blind, but they know what they're seeing. And then finally, from a trusted advisor and someone who has really spent some time getting to know them, getting to know their business and earning their trust. So we really come alongside of them again as more of a trusted advisor than someone that they are biting their tongue because they got a call. Because they're like, this is going to be expensive, and I just don't see what the value is. And I have to re-educate them every time I call them. That's something that they don't have to do with an OGC, because an OGC is deeply embedded in getting to know them and is vested in getting to know them as well. So appreciate those five points. There is so much in there from being strategically focused, proactive, getting to yes and providing solutions, leveraging risk. And I can talk about that as well. And again, being a trusted advisor. I wanted to take a moment to remind you that a recent study showed nearly 60% of leaders feel depleted at the end of the day. And this feeling is a key indicator of burnout and makes it difficult to lead and inspire others. If you've ever experienced that restless exhaustion, you know why CEOs are amongst the most likely candidates for experiencing job frustration. I wrote The CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track to confront those feelings and create a plan that is sustainable for you and your organization. I created a seven-point assessment that will help you figure out your problems in days, not months. And it includes so many resources, worksheets, videos, and much, much more. If this is you, please head over to my website, dropinceo.com and click on my products, The CEO's Compass, and order yours on Amazon or other outlets. And now back to the conversation. I will reflect a little bit on a past role that I had where it was a tough situation we were facing and I needed legal counsel. And while I knew what was right, I had a lot of interested parties putting pressure on me to potentially not do the right thing, but I needed to understand the risks associated with the different choices. And I really, really enjoyed all the conversation. They never told me what to do but presented me the options so that I could discover and conclude on what was right. So I so appreciate that angle versus the persona and the perception of lawyers just being expensive, yes, no, binary, and 
somewhat kind of a cold feeling versus you need somebody you can trust to have just the conversation with and ultimately come to some kind of conclusion. So I sincerely appreciate, while they weren't fractional, I appreciate the persona that small and medium-sized business leaders actually need. And what you said was just so relevant. While it is a value proposition for your company, if you think about any other fractional leaders out there, whether you're a chief marketing officer, a chief (laughs) information technology, all of these things that Todd and his firms stand for are so relevant to be successful on behalf of your client. So appreciate that. But what I'd love to know, though, is because there might be people out there in my audience that either they themselves are a small and medium-sized business owner, or maybe somebody is part of it and they want to whisper to their C-suite leader, I think Mm -hmm. we need to connect with Todd. What is the circumstance, the situation? What are they feeling? What is the challenge or risks that they're facing? that they should lean into potentially having a conversation with. Maybe give me an example or what are they feeling right now when they're feeling these challenges? Great question. So we kind of try to identify what the pain points are. And we worked with a consultant for a while. They talked about what is the motion that you're sensing within a a client or a prospective client. And I kind of boil it down to two or three scenarios. One is I do a lot of business succession work with companies, you know, and obviously that's a big deal right now, figuring out what makes the most sense. Do they have a family member? Do they have a trusted non-family member that might be able to buy the business out? Does an ESOP make sense, which frankly for smaller companies often with the administrative and the the cost burden doesn't make sense? Or, you know, is this a third-party sale? And and, right, 80% of these go in a third-party sale typically. But even for that, you know, it's kind of having a discussion about how do you prepare yourself? How do you work with the financial wealth advisor, the accountant? What's the target goal since you're selling your business and most of your money is in your business? And so we love to start that three or five years earlier and then kind of help them professionalize and, and look at the things that a buyer would be looking at to be able to make sure that box isn't checked. Because if that box is checked, that's a deduction off the purchase price and off what they're rightly owed. So that's a great area when people are starting to think about that, where we can really play a very holistic role. The second thing is, you know, then you have companies that decide to go to their second or third generation. And that was mom or dad's attorney. And that is mom or dad's, you know, kind of age. And typically it's a smaller firm and they don't have a succession plan. You know, they've outgrown them, right? They've gotten to a stage where they go, oh my gosh, I'm a $25 million company. And, you know, the, the company... The firm, God bless them. You know, they just don't have the expertise. And what I'm having to find myself do is go to seven or eight different law firms for different expertise. And I don't have enough time to do my day job. So I'd really like to have one point of contact that I trust that isn't going to sell me something I don't need and is going to connect me to the right people. So not only do I get the right advice, but I get it in the time frame I need it, right? Responsiveness is huge. Responsiveness is a big black mark against my profession. I mean, if there's any complaints that come against lawyers, it's typically because they don't return phone calls, you know, and certainly not in a timely manner or, you know, they don't keep them updated on what the matters are. And I'm not throwing my profession under the bus. Many times when you're a solo practitioner, I mean, you are working with 16 different areas of the law and 100 clients. And so anyways, you've outgrown them. And so that becomes a great opportunity for us to come in and go, they've done their part, but now it's time to get some more resources for you. I think the other thing is sometimes, you know, if they've been working with one particular person, and again, there's 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 issues with 
Um, they're starting to outsource everything or it's taking a long time for them to respond. Uh, typically, that could be a natural, a natural time for them to be able to go. We want the relationship, right? Because small and medium-sized businesses, you're right, they want that relational touch. It's not as big sometimes for the big tier Fortune 100s. Uh, it's more transactional. But for these companies, they want to know their advisor, but yet they want that married up with resources, responsiveness, deep bench, and, and time-tested advice from someone who's actually worked with these issues recently and can tailor advice for them versus just went to research this and says, well, the law says this. Well, they're like, ah, okay, I'm glad the law says that, but I still have an objective and I want somebody I can walk through this to make sure that number one, I'm not going to jeopardize my resources, but also that I can achieve my goals. So that's the, those are the areas where uh, not better call Saul, but it'd be great to just, I'd love to have conversations with folks like that, you know, on my dime and, and just get to know them um, and just talk about their business. Because number one, I'm fascinated by business more than I am by law. I'm fascinated by people and I love helping people that are really the engine of our economy and are creating jobs and opportunities for other people, particularly in a time where, you know, our economy has taken a, a shot to the bow. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to come out of those businesses is going to become our resurgence. And so I, I love to be a part of partnering with them and our group does in helping them grow and grow sustainably. So what I love about what you said, and I keep smiling here because again, I also will help a C-suite leader and sometimes they just need somebody to talk through what they're thinking. And sometimes they need somebody to either validate or give them a bit different perspective. And sometimes maybe a 5, 10, 15 minute conversation can set a C-suite leader, a CEO in the right direction. And was it my real job? I mean, right now I'm a fractional chief operations officer for a particular company. We talk about all kinds of things, but at the end of the conversation, that client has clarity. And the other thing is because their world can be upside down, having to deal with so many things, I have learned that it just acknowledging them, being responsive, I got it. Let's put that on our next one-to-one. That's all they need. They don't need things to be solved right away, but they need a trusted partner to think through what they're proposing. Is it the right way? Is there an alternate path? That's what our job is as these fractional concierge leaders are. They just need somebody with proper guidance. You just happen to have a legal profession behind you. But the beauty of it is, like you and I, we happen to have a huge database of resources behind us. It's not just the legal entity. It's everything else that a leader could need. So it's kind of a one-stop shop, really, really value-add resource for small and medium-sized companies. Yeah, you probably heard it said a lot, and it's true. The C-suite, and in many cases in a smaller company, that's kind of loosely defined, is a very lonely place. I mean, sometimes you're sitting there and the C-suite is your wife or your husband or your yeah. father yeah. or your friend. Well, well, where do you go to talk to somebody when maybe the, the issue that you're having is with them? But I, I think that's one of the things as a profession, we we just have to get over that stereotype of and I think that's why I love the OGC model for many reasons is we try to do a lot of this on a flat feet, you know, every month and then do a true up after six months. Why? Because we recognize that one of the things that we have to overcome is the specter of the meter because people are expecting, mm. they, they're reluctant to call their attorney. Why? Because maybe they just want to have a five minute sanity check call. And the reality is 
but they don't want to get charged for it because really all that is is a relationship building thing. Uh, I haven't provided them with any kind of quote unquote advice or a legal product. And so by doing that flat fee, which, you know, as a big firm, we can carry because typically there's early relationships, then that encourages them. Have this person call Todd or have this person call one of the people on his team, right? Because that specter of the meter has been removed. And what does that do? It immediately, very quickly deepens the relationship. So it's glue and we're more ingrained. We understand the business better. It's almost kind of like AI, like we're going to know the business better because of the touches, because of the communication, and we're going to build that trust. And so, but that's one of the things that we've got to, again, as a profession, we have to get over is we are viewed strictly as transactional. It's part of the curse of the bill of law in our profession, which, you know, we're going to have to kind of figure that out going forward too. But the reality is I really, I really want to understand what you are and then, and, and also get you outside of a box of just going, oh, wow, uh, an attorney can do that. I mean, an attorney can be a creative problem solver, be somebody who... Here's the other thing, huge, and you know this, be a connector. It's not always legal stuff they need, right? It's just, hey, I need a referral or an executive coach for my son or daughter, or you know what? I think I've outgrown my accountant. You know my business. Who who do you think I should be working with? Because I think I'm leaving a lot, a lot of tax money on the, on the table. Heck, I had a client that called me, you know, because I want to be their first call and said, you know, my, my son's in jail. Who do I need to call? I know you guys don't do criminal defense. You know me. You know my son. And I was able to get him a referral to somebody who picked up that phone because they know that when I send someone to them, you know, I've really vetted that. I know that they're the right contact. And that person was was there with their son, you know, 30 minutes later talking to him at the jail cell. Is there value there? Heck yeah, there is. But sometimes we don't think about that as, as attorneys. We just think about, well, what are the legal services I can provide them? Well, there's so much more that we can if we become truly a consigliore. You know, I'm not talking Robert Duvall and putting a horse head in your bed. That's a little too pragmatic. But I am talking about being a creative problem solver that you trust. And then if you can get into that first call type relationship, which is what I desire and you desire, man, is it so fulfilling and it's so fun and it's so rewarding. And that's kind of what I desire. And I think this model really lends itself to. So, Todd. I have been smiling. My cheeks hurt throughout this entire conversation. But you know, what's really interesting to me, and again, to my listeners, Todd and I are just getting to know each other here. But what is so valuable to both of us is the fact that I come across small and medium-sized business owners, second, third generation, succession planning, all of that. I am just so grateful to know that there are entities and people like you that are in service, building relationships first, helping them navigate the challenges of a growing business or passing it along. You're good for my network. And might I say also, as they grow, (laughs) quality, operations, I've done all the better, faster, cheaper. I've done it all. And I also know a lot of context. I'm just grateful you and I've had a chance to get to know each other, how we provide value. And you never know who's listening or you never know how you and I might connect people. Any last thoughts before we bring this to a close? Because again, this has just been a great conversation. Well, no, I appreciate the time. And I I think it's also neat to see, although we come from different, you know, whether it be operations or marketing or strategy or sales, we really have that same client service philosophy. And and, and where I I see this going in in the future, two things I think are really important. AI is going to transform so much of professional services, and it's definitely going to have 
a, a tremendous uh, upending uh, impact on the legal industry. I mean, a lot of the things that we do right now to, that are billable and that we actually use to train associates are going to be done by AI. And uh, I was very appreciative of my chairman, who's, who's a visionary at the firm, because uh, he said, AI is not coming. AI is here. And the question is, how do we harness it and stop fearing it? And, and how do we, he goes, in some ways, I'm embracing it. He goes, because it's going to free us up to do the things that we can do. And, and honestly, some of the stuff we hate to do, uh, make us more effective advisors. Um, AI really will replace some IQ, but it will not replace EQ, which means it's going to free us up to meet more advisors, to analyze advice, to customize advice, and do the things that many of us went to law school to do. And, and so for that, I think this model is going to be great with that, kind of to get us back to our moorings, not an innovative, but yet maybe a retroactive view on, on what it means to be a trusted advisor. And I also am excited about what I'm starting to see, and that is where companies are building entire fractional C-suites that are collaborating together, that have the same mindset, that are seeing it from different vantage points as they scale for growth, and then ultimately start adding these as permanent pieces. Because for a long time, we kind of served as a vacuum uh, versus coordinating our efforts. I think that, and that synergistic approach, and it is gonna bring, it's gonna be such a competitive advantage for the companies that decide to go this way. So very excited about the future. and. Uh, you know, recession suspension. I mean, all the companies I'm working with, as you know, I mean, they're they're growing, they're keeping their talent. Um, they've been through these things before, and they're they're focused on navigating, not surviving, thriving, not surviving during uncertain economic times. And uh, the last thing I'll say is, I love working with this group, and I'm sure you do as well, because of the appreciation that you get from them. I mean, you really are truly making a difference for them. And, and for me, I think, and for every human being, that is fuel to know that we did something today that really had an impact in a positive way on, and we really helped people. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this, but uh, I'm going to do it as long as it gives me energy and it's giving me a ton of energy right now. This, Todd, has been an amazing conversation. Again, I am so grateful for the network having introduced us. I am grateful for your insight to impart on the people that are listening out there. And again, I ask you and I implore everybody out there, if you know somebody that is going through challenging times that is seeking outside general counsel, please connect with Todd. And if you're looking also for fractional leadership, I as well can be there to serve you. But together, we're going to help that huge, very important demographic of small and medium-sized business owners. And Todd, I just want to say thank you so much for dropping in, being a fantastic guest, and I wish you well and much success. You as well, Deb. Thank you for the opportunity, and I look forward to getting to know you better. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who will find it useful and inspiring. When you share this podcast, it allows me to continue to help C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow to navigate their challenges with confidence. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.